In the opening of Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus drops a bomb on his disciples, the beautiful temple that he has zealously defended against money changers and where he has offered such stirring and profound instruction, that temple was going to be destroyed. Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach Church Partnership Evangelism. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about how you can help us reach lost people around the world by raising up evangelists in every place. Or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about our missions fellowship here in Boise, Idaho. If the temple is going to be destroyed, the disciples thought, this must mean the end of the world. This must mean the coming of the Lord Jesus to rule in a new age. These two things must go together. They asked Jesus, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The Lord Jesus will answer them, but first he needs to let them know what life will be like for them, not just what it will be like when he returns. Listen up. Before you know what things will be like when the Lord Jesus returns, you need to know what Jesus says it will be like for your present hour. This time period between the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ and the second return of Jesus Christ. And these first 14 verses describe to us that age that we're in right now. So with your Bibles before you, and I hope you do have them before you, we'll keep our fingers here and look at these first 14 verses. And we're going to make a series of observations. And by the way, as you look at this, it's not a pretty picture of what the age is like. It can be rather discouraging and distressing and disappointing. And we're not to read this as something that's just mounting up and just happening in the last days. Although, in a sense, we might see history all projected, moving on a linear line towards fulfillment. But through that projection, there is a cycle going on of ever-intensifying fulfillment of what Christ is talking about. And we might be able to see some of that. In other words, we should be able to see these things all throughout this historical period. But we also might be able to see that they seem to be getting worse and worse. Those conditions seem to be intensifying. But this is the period of the church, the age in which we now reside in, an age that began with the ascension of Jesus Christ and is going to continue until the return of Jesus Christ the second time. And here's the first thing that I want us to see in this passage, the first application or idea that we should have here, and it's this. First, do not have too high an expectation for the outcomes of the church age. Do not have too high an expectation for the outcomes of the church age. We are not to be expecting that peace and prosperity and the overall program of the Savior will come upon the earth at any time before Jesus returns physically to reign upon the earth. We're not going to expect for the nations to beat their swords in the plowshare. We're not to expect that there's going to come this rising tide until there's this day in which the knowledge of the Lord covers the earth like the waters of the sea. None of that is going to be fulfilled until Christ puts his foot upon this earth and sets up his earthly reign upon this earth. The Lord Jesus is describing what we should expect to see in the progress of the age that we're in, and it's the waxing worse and worse and worse of these degenerative expressions of evil and sin and darkness. There's a bleakness about it. In this age, we're not to be confident or overconfident. Somehow, we are going to bring about by our own efforts and our own actions and by the shining of our ministry and our message to the world some brighter and more glorious age before Christ returns. We can be confident that God is in control. He sees exactly what's happening. He sees exactly the trajectory of human history. He knows all that's taking place. He's in control. He's sovereign over all these things. And so we can trust him. And we can believe that God is true and that God's truth will prevail. 
but there should not be any kind of peptic optimism in the trajectory of human history towards some ever-progressing goal of a golden era of peace and blessing. These words of the Lord Jesus should convince us that the church will not, in the end, introduce a swelling and unstoppable tide of good in the world that shall push human society ever higher until it climaxes in the final age of the Messiah. No. Things are going to go along in a degenerate fashion. There may be moments in time in which there will be advances in mankind. There may be times in which society is blessed and benefited by the witness and the light and the power and the salt and the preserving influence of the church. There are times when the decay will be driven back, but ultimately sin will still run its course of decay through the ages and through every period of time until the Lord Jesus returns. So don't put your trust in the advancing of human civilization. It will not advance beyond the power of sin to unleash throughout the epochs of time great floods of corruption and destruction upon the earth. And the Lord Jesus is describing this here. Here's some applications for you. In times of prosperity, in the pauses in which we may see significant measures of peace and harmony and prosperity, we should get active to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. When there are pauses, when there are moments in the destructive influences, when we see a moment in which there are opportunities to shine the light into the darkness of our world, we should shine it. These moments are not going to last. The opportunities to share the gospel without resistance and without persecution that we've experienced in America for some time is not going to endure, not if we read our Bibles. So we must be vigilant and we must be diligent to take advantage of the moments that God gives us. The age will be typified by the accumulating devastation of sin and injustice until the Lord Jesus returns. But in those moments, take advantage of them. Seize the opportunities. Here's another application. I hope you don't misunderstand me here. Don't give yourself too fully to the causes of human society. I'm not saying that we should not be involved. God gives us talents. God gives us blessings. God gives us a role and a responsibility to be a light in our world of his nature and of his justice and of his truth. And that will impact not only a spiritual message, but that has physical ramifications and that has ramifications in society. And we are to be salt in this world. And that has ramifications in the way that we present ourselves and live our lives in their society. And God has invested in us these talents of his truth. And we're to spend those talents in such a way that we benefit the communities that we live in, we're to pray for our nations, we're to pray for peace, we're to pray for opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus in these places, we're to bring to bear the truth of what Christ has done for us and the truth of his word on the societies in which we live and see them shaped and molded in a way that they begin to learn from those truths and begin to pattern themselves after those truths and we've been given that role to play and by God's grace and because God is so gracious and kind, he allows these things to have their influence on our nation and on our world but I'm just saying don't give yourself too fully to these causes. We have a role to play, and we may be influences for good in our day and age. But above all, set your hopes and rest your future in the changeless promises and goodness of God, not in the progressing of society, not in your power to impact things for good and to get positive outcomes, but even as you do these things, wait for the coming of the Messiah to again come and rule with righteousness upon the earth in the meantime, live in obedience to his call to make him known and to live out his life before others. And yes, you'll have impact there, 
But your impact will be not in hoping in your impact, not in hoping and trusting in what you're going to be able to accomplish and bring to the world, but what ultimately he will bring to the world. It'll keep you from becoming disillusioned when at times things turn and twist the other direction. When the great moments of light and the great moments of truth that dawn upon society are repealed and we find ourselves being pressed back into darkness, it'll keep you from being disillusioned. You were only honoring him. You were only giving light in the age in which you lived. You were only being obedient to him, but he's the God over the ages and he's told us what to expect. Here's a second thing to note. This is somewhat the heart of our message here this morning. Take note that the patterns of decay that our age will go through call for endurance. Take note that the patterns of decay that will mark our age will call for endurance. Lord Jesus is letting his followers brace themselves in a sense. Their mission will go against the current of the age in which they live from beginning to end. He's basically, get ready for the long haul here. You're going to have to be faithful to the end. Here are the things that he says. There are a number of things that he said. First, he tells them that there are going to be false messiahs, that there will be many false messiahs that will arise. And false messiahs arise from two different sectors in society. One sector is from the sector of religion and from the spiritual hopes and aspirations of people. The other place where false messiahs rise, where we fail to recognize them, but they're just as real and maybe even more predominant in our land, is from the sector of politics and from social hopes and aspirations. The story of the Antichrist that you read about in the book of Revelation is a convergence of these two things. He's a religious head and he's a political head. And well, it's just drawing together the two places where people pin and place their hopes. Individuals come for people who are longing for spiritual answers to the need and they take whatever their longings are, their hopes are, and their desires are, and they wrap it around themselves and they say, I'm the embodiment and the answer for these things. And they're false messiahs and they're false teachers and people have longing for peace in the earth and harmony in their societies. And some false messiah rises up and says, I'm the one who will deliver these things. And you trust and believe in me and I'll bring all that. And they make themselves these political false messiahs and both of them will proliferate, Jesus says, to the ages. They'll proliferate through the ages. We need to recognize in the heat of the political passions of our day and age that they should reveal to us that politics is religion as well. It's a political religion. We need to be careful not to clamor after the political false prophets and messiahs of our age. They are every bit a fulfillment of Christ's prophecy that false prophets and false messiahs will rise in religion, but also in politics, and they will mark the age of the church. Here's another thing he says. Wars and rumors of wars will be many. And then after he says this, he says, all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In other words, these are not signs of the end. They're just the expected course of the age. Pick up your history books and begin reading them. The ages are marked by the wars that have moved across the land over and over and over again, and they're going to continue to move and rage across the land. Because men will war and battle with one another because they want and they desire and they don't have. They're coveting and the desire for power and possession and control will drive them into ongoing wars. It says here, famines, pestilence, earthquakes will also be notable and they'll be frequent. And then he says this, all these are just the beginning of sorrows. Again, these are not signs of the end upon us. They're just the beginning of the ongoing sorrows that we know we'll experience and will go and take place throughout the time period that we're in. So... If you have somebody who's trying to tell you that Jesus is going to come at any moment because we're having an uptick in earthquakes, 
That's not necessarily a sign. It's just the beginning of the sign. It's just the stuff that's going to ingest the way that the, the earth is in a cataclysmic turmoil, longing for its Redeemer to come. And the shaking out of all these things is the expression of the fallenness and brokenness of the world in which we live in. And the Lord Jesus says you're just to expect these things to take place. To these things, he adds, there's going to be persecution and there's going to be martyrdom. The church age has been marked throughout by persecution and martyrdom. Our experience of peace and freedom of worship in America is an anomaly in the history of this age. It's not the norm. We read of the persecution of the church in different places around the world. There are magazines that you can read about. You can find books and you can read about it. You can pick up an old book like Fox's Book of Martyrs and read about these things. And you marvel that these things took place. They seem startling and they seem strange to you. But that only reveals how blessed we've been in our land. Because this has been the common experience of the vast majority of the faithful throughout the ages. And the believer throughout this age is the experience of persecution, experience of tribulation, experiences of martyrdom. So we should be thankful for how blessed we are, but we shouldn't be surprised if things change. I've got a question here for you. A society needs something in order to persecute individuals within their midst. What does a society need in order to persecute individuals in their midst? What would a society need in order to begin persecuting, for example, the Christian population among them? Here's an answer for you. They need to feel that they have the moral high ground. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.